Because what may be known of God was manifest. It's a word that means shining, apparent. Vines described it as open to sight. So it was clear if you'd only want to look to see. The truth of God, though, being suppressed, being held down, restrained by the ungodly, the unrighteous people, they had taken the clearly revealed message of God and they distorted its truth. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us to a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 32 this morning. Romans 1, 18 through 32. And as Paul concluded his introduction last week, we looked at this verses 1 through 16. As he was coming to that conclusion in verse 16, he declared that the gospel was the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And then he went on to say in verse 17, at the end of that verse saying, and the just shall live by faith. Paul had mentioned that faith, it's from faith to faith. And the thought, uh, two thoughts that I brought up last week that a lot of the commentators have. One, the faithfulness of God to present the plan of salvation to humanity. And then the faith that it takes as Uh, individuals to believe in the plan of God, which is, as we know, God sending his only begotten son who died on a cross, was buried, rose again, and through faith in him we have salvation in the name of Jesus. But also the other thought, from faith to faith, and I, I feel that this is accurate, both are correct when you think about it, but this also is accurate in the sense that It takes faith to believe in Jesus, but that isn't where faith ends. As we continue to walk as a believer through this life, we walk in faith. Paul had said, walk by faith, not by sight. And so often in our world, we walk by sight and not by faith. And it's faith to faith, faith to believe and faith to continue in our faith, walking in faith in obedience. With this introduction out of the way, Paul begins a section of Romans, it takes us all the way to chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, verse 25. And here he teaches about the depravity of mankind versus God's remedy through the solidary work of Jesus upon the cross. And he begins by condemning the world. 
So verses 18 through 32 is a section of condemnation of the world. He'll go into chapter 2 and he'll bring condemnation to his Jewish brethren in chapter 2. And so here he addresses those who are non-Jewish and explains that from the beginning of the foundation of the earth, here's the reason why God gave us up, gave us over. And as you read through this section of scripture, you find that it is very applicable to the day and age that we live in. In fact, in a number of our churches, this would be an avoided section of scripture to teach from because it could bring offense. I tell you what, Paul wanted to bring offense. It was the purpose of writing this. Whether Jew or Gentile, he wanted to lay out the condemnation that we have apart from Christ Jesus, the depravity of mankind and God's remedy through the cross. Like a prosecuting attorney, Paul indicts the unbelieving world by revealing the reason behind their sinful condition and the resulting consequences of their sins. And he ends by saying that they are without excuse. And that's what we're going to look at today. I titled it Without Excuse, took it from the Word of God itself. From Romans 1, 18 through 32, we're going to see three points. Ungodliness and unrighteousness in verses 18 through 20. Futile and foolish, verses 21 through 25. And God gave them up and gave them over, verses 26 through 32. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 18 through 20 and get us into our first point. And open us in prayer. So 18 through 20, we find... For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Father, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to have open hearts and to be attentive to the teaching of your word this morning, that which you have given to us in scripture, Lord. Help us not shy away from the truth of your word, uh, knowing that in the day and age that we live in today, especially it seems in the last 10 years or so, that this section of scripture has become especially offensive to so many in our nation. But Father, we want to know what you have to say about the condition of our mankind, our hearts. And so, Lord, we want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This church, this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So he begins by telling them that there is the ungodly and the unrighteous people, men of the earth, that they have suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Paul is writing to a primarily Gentile church in Rome, and he includes the Jews, but as I mentioned last week, that there was a point prior to Paul writing this letter, and it was the reason that we learn in the book of Acts that Aquila and Priscilla left Rome because Claudius had kicked out all of the Jews. The thought is because of a a statement that is found by one of the early historians that 
Claudius kicked out the Jews because of their argument of Christos, and it's spelled C-H-E-S-T-U-S. And so it's believed that the Jews were arguing about Christ and the Messiah. And Claudius, the emperor, got so fed up with it, he kicked all the Jews out. We do read in Acts that Paul, when he met Aquila and Priscilla, that they had left Rome because of the decree of Claudius. So the thought behind this, a church that perhaps initially was very Jewish, suddenly became very Gentile-based, and the Jewish brethren who had found the church in Rome suddenly had to leave, depart, and so a whole new leadership had to step up. And Paul is writing to the Gentiles here in Rome to shore them up, to help them, to uh, tell of his desire to come and visit them. But it's clear that Paul is writing to Gentile believers. He even informs them later on that I am the apostle to the Gentiles. So he had a purpose in writing to them. In chapter 2, Paul will deal with his Jewish brethren. But here he begins by revealing the need of God's salvation and the depravity of mankind, the whole world. He begins by condemning the whole world. And first of all, because they had suppressed the truth in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And why is God's wrath revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness? Well, he tells us because they had suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. This takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve first disobeyed the word of God from eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were commanded by the Lord of all the trees in the garden you can eat of, but of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, you shall not eat of it. And the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. We find that their purpose in eating of the fruit well, it was because Satan falsely told Eve in Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So the purpose of eating of the fruit is that they could be like God. And Adam and Eve eating the fruit resulted in God's judgment coming upon all mankind. And so Paul will later write in Romans five twelve. Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, the one man, Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. But he also says in verse 18, you notice the word that they had suppressed, suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. It's a Greek word. It means literally to hold down. Vines described it of unrighteous men who restrain the spread of the truth by their unrighteousness. And so we get this sense of people keeping back the truth in order that it would not be revealed to others. They're holding it down, holding it back. They're suppressing it. Jesus said to Nicodemus and John three nineteen and 20, For this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone 
who practice evil, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. We all have this inherent sin nature, having sinned against the Lord's command. Thus, God has given us a choice whether to receive the testimony of his light, Jesus Christ, and find life, or to reject it and to stay in the darkness, to stay in death. Jesus said in John 8, 12, that I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so the beginning of this condemnation, remember Paul, a prosecuting attorney, he's bringing the condemnation, the charge against mankind. And he said, first and foremost, that they had suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. And then he goes on to explain in verses 19 and 20, because what may be known of God was manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because what may be known of God was manifest. It's a word that means shining, apparent. Vines described it as open to sight. It was manifest. It was clear if you'd only want to look to see. He also said, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes were clearly seen to have this clear understanding. The truth of God, though, being suppressed, being held down, restrained by the ungodly, the unrighteous people. They had taken the clearly revealed message of God and they distorted its truth. Paul ran into this in Acts 14, 15, and 17. He and Barnabas there in Lystra, they attempted to offer a sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas at that time. And it tells us that they could scarcely restrain them from offering this sacrifice. Paul saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you. And we preach that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. He did not leave us without witness, but that he did good, gave us rain from heaven, fruitful season, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And so Paul said that what may be known of God, it's manifest, verse 19, verse 20, for since the creation, these divine attributes are clearly seen in Acts chapter 14, verse 17, Paul describes some of these, the evidence of God and his creation, that God is good, giving us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our heart with food and gladness, that life itself is evidence of God. Even without the written word, God has not left us without witness. Paul is indicting the world here, those who didn't have the written word of God, but he tells them that God has not left us without witness. He has given us the witness of creation, where his invisible attributes Paul says, are clearly seen. Of course, we know that man has distorted those invisible attributes today. They say instead of God created the heavens and the earth, they rather say that we evolved from lower to higher forms. He's also given us the witness of God's word. 
Acts 3.18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So God has given us also the witness of his word. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, saying that the things that God spoke about from the mouth of all his prophets, that in Christ Jesus they've been fulfilled. He's given us the witness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said in John 18, 18, I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And concerning the Spirit, Jesus said in John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And so God has not left us without witness. He's given us the witness of creation, the witness of his word, the witness of the triunity of the Godhead, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's also given us the witness of other believers in the work that Jesus has done and is doing in our lives. Yet we find that the ungodly and unrighteous people continue to take the clearly revealed message of God and distort it, distort its truth, making them without excuse. So we find next in verses 21 through 25, the futile and foolish. In verse 21, it reads, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image of corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Their hearts were darkened. Verse 21 takes us to after the fall, mankind's continual spiral away from God. There's no doubt in my mind that Adam and Eve taught their children, their descendants, the truth concerning God. But the further that they got away from Adam and Eve, and it didn't take that far, as we know Cain would kill his brother Abel, the sin-darkened hearts of the children of Adam and Eve rejected God's light, so much so that there is a rapid decaying of the spirit of man away from the truth of God, as we find recorded for us in Genesis chapters 3 through 11. And even with Cain, God said to Cain in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Cain was given a choice whether to obey and do what was right in the sight of God or to continue down his path of destruction. We know he chose the path of destruction, but we're all given that choice of how we should conduct ourselves in this life. But in their futile and foolish hearts, we find that there was this unwillingness to acknowledge God. Therefore, they refused to glorify God. Secondly, they were unthankful to God. Third, they became vain. It's a word in the Greek that means to be destitute of real wisdom. And fourth, they became foolish. 
It's a word that simply means to be unintelligent and by implication, that of wickedness. The complete word study dictionary says, Romans 1, 21, Paul calls unredeemed man's heart. He calls them foolish because of its inability to conclude from the observable creation that there must be a creator. So therefore, instead of worshiping God in their futile and foolish hearts, they worship the creation of God, like corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things. And today we find that evolution teaches that all life on earth shares a common ancestry. It's true, it's God. That God has founded everything, but not that we were created by God, but have evolved from lower to higher life forms. And to this day, people continue to change the glory of an incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man. So we find in 1 Corinthians 3, 19 and 20, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thought of the wise, that they are futile. And God has given us all a choice to do what is right or to face his future judgment. And we discover this indictment against them in verse 24 and 25, that they dishonored their bodies. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. So the hearts of this futile and foolish people, they refused to glorify God. They were unthankful to God being vain and foolish. Well, God gave them up to the uncleanness, to the lust of their hearts. They worship the work of their own hands and not the wonderful works of God. Isaiah 2 verses 8 and 9 says, They worship the work of their hands, which their own fingers have made. People bow down, each man humbles himself, therefore do not forgive them. Now we know in Scripture, and I often quote, from the New Testament that tells us to humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. But in Isaiah 2, 9, where Isaiah the prophet says, each man humbles himself, it is referring to the humbling of themselves, bowing down to these false gods. They're not humbling themselves before the true God, but they're humbling themselves before the gods that their own fingers have made. They actually partook in a great exchange, exchanging God's truth for a lie. Instead of worshiping God, they worship God's creation and the work of their own hands. And sadly, they chose to worship the creature rather than the creator. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness, lust, dishonoring in their attempt to satisfy their sexual pleasure. It seems that verse 24 is dealing with heterosexual immorality of Paul's day. And they were taking that which the honor which God had designed for marriage and the intimate relationship between a husband and his wife, and they were dishonoring themselves with multiple sex partners. 
Again, I say as we read through verses 18 through 32, it seems that we are actually reading the very headlines of today. And in their futile and foolish hearts, we find that mankind continues to exchange the truth of God for the lie. Father, thank you for your word that you've given us this morning. Lord, it's a passage of scripture that as we read it today, we can read it right along with the headlines of any of the newspapers, uh, news media that we might view online or on our television or here on radio. And we find, Lord, that the truth that Paul wrote then is still applicable for today. One thing that stood out to me, Father, as I read through this, is all the stuff that we see happening in our society today, Paul already wrote about it, well, nearly 19, a little over 1,900 years ago. So the same things, Lord, similar things that were happening in Paul's day as well. And yet he took the gospel and he presented the truth of the gospel to his generation. Lord, may we take the same truth of your gospel and be willing to present it to our generation. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.